The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Welcome in, everybody. This Friday edition of the Leach Report. Very special edition. No Tom Leach today. He's en route to Orlando as the Kentucky Wildcats will take on the Iowa Hawkeyes in the Citrus Bowl on Saturday. So we go to the bullpen. I am Billy Rutledge along with Shannon the Dude. We normally host the KSR pre-show, but we are on an hour earlier today. A full two hours of us today. Shannon the Dude is in Louisville. I am in Lexington. How are you doing this morning, Shannon? Doing well, Billy. Good to talk to you. We'll be, like you said, doing two hours today and four hours for me doing KSR after the pre-show. So it's going to be a big day. Yeah, long day for you, and we also have a basketball game, a, a midday basketball game to get to. First of all, the Leach Report comes to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. Return, refresh, and refuel at any Clark's Pump and Shop. Also, today's Wildcat News of Today is presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. Let's start there. The Kentucky Wildcats will host High Point today starting at noon. UK comes in as a 26-point favorite over High Point, but obviously the news of the day is Tubby Smith and his getting getting his jersey retired. The ceremony is at 11.40 today at Rupp Arena, so you're going to want to be in your seats. Tubby Smith coached 10 seasons at Kentucky with an overall record of 263-83. and 83. Of course, the 1998 National Championship, but Shannon, I think many forget that Tubby never missed an NCAA tournament at his time at Kentucky. He was the National Coach of the Year three times in 1998, 2003, and 2005. And I think this is a well-deserved honor for the first African-American a coach in Kentucky basketball history, Shannon. Yeah, we've talked about this for years, it feels like, on KSR. When are we going to finally give Tubby his due? When are we finally going to recognize what he did here at Kentucky? And today is going to be a, a fun day for everybody. And like you said, if you can, if you're going to that game, get there early. getting your seats. You know that a lot of people have had trouble getting into Rupp Arena, getting into their seats by game time, but you know that's just another reason to get there early. If you can't be at the game, by the way, you can watch the entire ceremony streaming live at UKAthletics.com, so I would encourage everybody to do that if you're not going to the game today. That's a good call, Shannon, and we will also carry the ceremony on the radio broadcast. Uh, KSR will be from 10 to 10.30 on News Radio 630 WLAP, and then they will actually switch to the, the radio broadcast. KSR will continue on KJ today if you'd like to listen to the entire two hours. Some more Wildcat news. Kentucky-Iowa getting ready to take place tomorrow. That will be a 1 p.m. kickoff. Everybody already in route. Dick Gabriel, Jeff Picoro, Tom Leach is on his way. Kentucky is a three-point favorite in this game. It is an opportunity for the second 10-win season in a four-year span for head coach Mark Stoops in Kentucky. It's the team's sixth straight bowl game, and they've already won three in a row, Shannon. The Citrus, the Belk, and the Gator, despite the Iowa running back Tyler Goodson opting out of this game, I think this is going to be a good one. And one that Jeff Picoro said yesterday, the first team to 17 points wins. 
I don't know. You know, I, this is two physical football teams, but I don't know if it's going to be that low scoring. What do you think, Shannon? Well, first of all, you mentioned how many times Kentucky's been to the bowl game the last few seasons. I guess it depends on which Iowa player you ask. <laughs> because as we found right. out yesterday, yeah. there was an Iowa player that didn't think that Kentucky had been to a bowl game in several years. But yeah, I think it's going to be a grinded out type of game. There's not going to be a whole lot of passing offensively for Iowa. It's going to be kind of uh, ground and pound and they're a top defensive team, so if Kentucky takes care of the ball and doesn't turn it over, I like Kentucky's chances. And I think that probably first to 17 is an accurate uh, prediction. I think that if Kentucky gets to 17 first, they'll probably win the game. Yeah, yeah as much as Iowa likes to slow down the game, it, it really could be that. So we'll have to wait and see. But a, a very important 48 hours for Big Blue Nation in Kentucky sports. A couple more notes, and we'll hit our first break here on this Friday edition of the Leach Report couple final scores from bowl games yesterday in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Shane Beamer gets the win over North Carolina. South Carolina defeating North Carolina 38-21. to He then had 4.5 gallons of watered-down mayonnaise Ugh. dumped on him after the game, Shannon. Oh, you know my feelings about mayonnaise to begin with. I can't imagine having that much mayonnaise just dumped on your head. Why do we do that to the winning coach? Shouldn't the losing coach have to have mayo dumped on their head as a punishment? I don't know how that's a, you know, a good thing if you win and then you have mayo dumped on your head. But yeah, congrats to South Carolina and Shane Beamer's probably still picking mayo out of his ears this morning. He has to be, and he's already sticky from the Gatorade bath that he got right before it. Oh. So it's just, oh. it's just double duty for him. A couple other scores: Purdue defeating Tennessee in the Music City Bowl in Nashville, forty-eight to forty-five in overtime. A controversial finish there where in the first session of overtime, where Tennessee had a chance to score, on fourth down, they go for a touchdown, and the referees call forward progress stopped. The Tennessee running back would eventually go in the end zone, but they could not review the play. Purdue would kick a field goal and win the game in overtime. A lot of Orange fans in Nashville for that game at Nissan Stadium were upset with that final result. Also, two more scores. Michigan State defeating Pittsburgh in the Peach Bowl, 31-21. to in Wisconsin, defeating Arizona State 20-13 to in the Las Vegas Bowl. This is a Friday edition of the Leach Report. We've got plenty of guests coming up, but up next will be Adam Luckett from Kentucky Sports Radio. He's going to talk a little bit about the Citrus Bowl. He's Shannon the Dude. I'm Billy Rutledge. We'll be right back. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Leach Report. It's Billy and the Dude. You get two hours of us today. The KSR pre-show is next from 9 a.m. to 10. We've got plenty of guests lined up for you this morning, but first on our celebrity hotline and the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington this morning is Adam Luckett. He covers Kentucky football for KSR. You can follow him on Twitter at Adam Luckett KSR. How are you doing this morning, Adam? Pretty, pretty, pretty good, Billy and the Dude. Uh, New Year's Eve and um, just getting ready for the Citrus Bowl down here in Orlando. That's right. An exciting time for sports. Let's talk about that Citrus Bowl coming up tomorrow. It's a 1 p.m. kickoff for the Cats against the Iowa Hawkeyes. And like I mentioned in the last sec- segment, Adam, Jeff Pecoro said that this game could be the first team that reaches 17 points wins. Do you have a similar feeling? It's gonna, is it going to be that low scoring? Yeah, I could definitely see something playing out. Like if you get to 21, I think you probably feel pretty good in this matchup. Um, 
Iowa's an elite defense, probably one of the top ten defenses in the country. It's probably going to be the second best defense Kentucky has played outside of Georgia. But on the other hand, their offense has really, really struggled this year. It's probably the worst offense, power five offense they faced outside of Vanderbilt for Kentucky. So kind of that yin and yang on both sides of the ball. But um, we see in these ball games things get weird. Just look at that Tennessee Purdue game yesterday. Purdue without their two best players goes in there and wins a shootout. So things can get weird, but it does feel like a game. If you can get to 21, 24 points, you should feel pretty good about about the, your chances of winning. We know that Iowa's running back, Tyler Goodson, has already opted out of this game. He has already declared for the NFL draft. But if you look at this Iowa team, Adam, uh, what what is uh, the aspect of it that Kentucky should be most worried about? Really, uh, I would say it's the defense, specifically the pass defense. We've seen all year Kentucky's had problems with interceptions or just turnovers in general. They've kind of fixed it here lately, but that's still a worry spot. Um, they've had multiple games where they've gone and turned it over four times. You know, you look at the Mississippi State game. You look at the South Carolina game. They were able to win one, but one of those turned into a blowout. Meanwhile, Iowa leads the country in interceptions. They've got, about, I think, like five guys with multiple picks. So really, ball security aspect would be the big thing to worry about. You don't want to give an offense that has issues – Possessing the ball, putting together drives. You don't want to give them a couple short fields to create some easy scores or even a defensive touchdown. So ball security on offense is really going to be a big thing in this game. Adam, in your opinion, are there too many bowl games? No, we should have more. (laughs) See, I'm with you, man. I mean, who poo-poos having more football? I mean, Here's the thing here. Like, this is weird. Like, this whole bowl world we're in, it's weird. Like... Like, it's no other postseason that's like that or like this. Um, but but why, like, just lean into it? Uh, who really, like, what's the difference between a 6-6 six and six and a 7-5 and five team getting in? And another thing is, if you take away the bowl games, they're not going to take it away from the power conferences. They're going to take it away from the small guys. So the 8-4, and four, like, G5 teams we see play sometimes. Why? I mean, why, why, why not have them? It's something on to have on TV in the middle of December. It's more football. I say double down, but let's lean in. Let's get more ball games. I, I def, I'm with you there, Adam. I mean, my Western Kentucky Hilltoppers would be the ones impacted before the Peach Bowl is gone or the Duke's Mayo Bowl, and so you're going to see much, um, you know, smaller teams like that suffer. So I am with you, and you saw the emotion at a guys like from South Carolina after defeating North Carolina yesterday. So more bowl games. I'm with you. You have Kentucky, Iowa tomorrow. It's a 1 p.m. kickoff in Orlando. The sixth straight bowl game for the Cats. They've won three in a row. How important is keeping that streak alive, Adam? Well, I think it's really important this week just because you can get the 10 wins. I mean, that's pretty much that's a landmark in college football, getting a double-digit win to be the second time in four years. And it really would kind of carry the momentum they've had. Finish the season strong, 9-3, and three, winning record in the conference. Uh, you smash your rival. You sign the best class in program history. Then you go and beat a top fifteen in a bowl, top fifteen team in a bowl game to wrap up a ten and three season. I think that just just creating momentum in Kentucky just keeps stacking good seasons under Mark Stoops, and that's going to allow you to raise your ceiling slowly. And we kind of see that play out through the years. So just for that, creating positive momentum for the program and get things kind of snowballing and rolling downhill for them, so they can keep having these good seasons and eventually maybe even have a breakthrough season where they win the SEC East and go to Atlanta. Adam, and we've talked about the importance of guys not opting out and how that shows a lot to the Kentucky program, how nobody has opted out of this bowl game again. 
But how about the fact that John Summerall, after taking the head coaching job at Troy, is coming back to coach Kentucky at this bowl game? I don't know if that's common or not, Adam. That, that tells me a lot about the guy. Yeah, very rare. You don't see that when these guys take these head coaching jobs. Um, very, very rare. I think it says a lot of things about Summerall, you know, mainly that he loves this place. Obviously, alumni, former player. But also, think it says like people like being in that organization. Players like playing in that organization. Coaches like coaching in that organization. Um, and a bunch of football guys like playing football and coaching football. And so, I think it shows that the culture is strong there within the football program. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I think you've seen them have so much success. And it's also probably a reason you're seeing the recruiting taking an uptick because younger kids realize that hey, these guys really. Really like it here. Even Dion Walker, that nose tackle out of Detroit, he said the main reason he went to Kentucky is because of the relationship aspect. He knows like Mark Stoops is not going to BS him. He knows exactly what he's going to get from going there, and it's really just a good culture that they built. And I think it's just people want to be a part of it. And I think we're seeing that play out here um, during this bowl season when other places it gets a little, you know, hairy with players or coaches, coaching carousel, transfer portal. All that kind of stuff you see guys leaving before the ball game, but here at Kentucky, you're not seeing that, and it certainly does help that they're playing in a good ball game. We should not forget about that fact either. And we will not get any BS from Adam Luckett. He covers Kentucky football right. for KSR. You can also hear him on the 11 Personnel Podcast. I appreciate your time, Adam. No problem. Happy New Year's to y'all. All right, there he is, Adam Luckett, our first guest of this Friday edition of the Leach Report. We roll on. But coming up next is former Kentucky receiver Charles Walker. We'll continue the football discussion next here on the Leach Report. Find out more about the voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. The Leach Report is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This Friday, New Year's Eve edition of the show, I'm Billy Rutledge along with Shannon the Dude. We roll along and continuing on our guest lineup today is Charles Walker. He's on the show with us now, a wide receiver at Kentucky from 2014 to 2017. He is on the line. How are you doing this morning, Charles? Billy, I am great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Glad you are on the show. Let's talk about this bowl game this Kentucky-Iowa matchup on Saturday. Kentucky going for their fourth straight win, and you were there at the beginning of the Mark Stoops tenure. tenure. Are you surprised by those words that Kentucky is going for possibly their fourth straight win? You know, not at all, and uh, I, I think it speaks volumes to, to Mark Stoops and his staff, and you know, this year speaks volumes to him and, and how he wanted to build this program, and he and Vince Merrow and others are continuing to build this program. So from 2014 to 17, you were with the Cats, so you were a part of some bowl games, specifically in 2016 and 17. What is that lead-up to the game like? Is there a lot of goofing off? Does it almost feel like you're in the summer break already, or is it is it you know preparation mode to a T? It's really funny, Billy. We talked about this, uh, some of the players do, every other year, because our first year, like you said, we went to Tax Slayer. Um, I guess this was 16. Uh, you know, down in Florida. Then second year was Music City. And year one was Stoops' first bowl game. And, and to be quite honest, I think everyone was just a little bit tight because, you know, it was the first bowl game we'd been to in a while. And, you know, everyone wanted to win. We were playing Georgia Tech, who, run the tri- who ran the triple option. And no, no one wants to prep for that. Um, and, and 
we had a lot of practice and, and it was very serious. And of course, the sport's always serious. But then you go into year two of the bowl game and we got a little more relaxed and a little more, hey, this is deserving. We deserve to be here versus, you know, we have to be here. Um, I think you go to the 18 Citrus Bowl where, you know, we take down Penn State. I was not a part of that team, but I was down, went down, stayed in the team hotel, uh, got to watch them prep, and it was a little more laxed. And I think that's what Stoops has learned over the years. You know, let's get our work in while we can in Lexington, and then when we get down to the bowl site, let's be fast, let's be physical, let's make sure we have our game plan down, but let's let these kids enjoy, you know, what they deserve to do um, and then go out and, and bring home a W. Charles, in the last segment, I spoke on how it's impressive that John Summerall, who's already taken a job with Troy, is still with Kentucky and coaching these guys. No player has opted out of this bowl game, and even guys that are in the transfer portal at Kentucky are still with this team. They're still practicing. They're still the coaching staff is still has a good relationship with these players. I think that's incredible and something I have not seen another program do yet. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it go, it goes back to the program and just the character that Stoops has that he teaches and preaches. Um, I was lucky enough to, to hang out with Coach Summerall. You know, he never coached me, um, but I've been with him handful of times, and, and you really can't find a, a better person, a better coach, a more enthusiastic person um, than him. So so happy to see him go and, you know, take that career step in becoming a head coach. But, you know, w- when news came out that he'd be coaching again, I was not stunned at all. And, again, like you said, even the kids in the transfer portal, um, you know, they earn the right to be here. And, and I do truly think that they want to play one more game with their with their brothers no matter what it means. That means calling signs. That means being the backup. That means being a starter. Charles, a former receiver yourself, how much would you have liked to catch a pass from this Will Levis guy? I mean, he seems to have the whole package. Uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I was lucky enough to play with some great quarterbacks and, and play for some great offensive coordinators. But, uh, you know, there just seems to be some chemistry, not only between, you know, Will and his receivers and O-line and the team, but, you know, Will and Liam Cohen. And, and I think Liam can dial up some pretty amazing schemes and plays, and it, it definitely would have been fun to play for both of them and, and with Will. Maybe a few less hurdles, though, right? I mean, it gets everybody excited, but, I mean, <laughs> your stomach has to be in your throat sometimes when that guy jumps in the air. Yeah, I've always said, you know, it, it, I think during the game, the coaches might love it, but when that game film turns on, I think he's probably getting uh, a scolding, too, in that film room. Uh, you, need to, you need to slide more, Will. But, you know, <laughs> you know Billy, that, that's, why, that's why we love him. That's why the fan base loves him, because he's not afraid to put his head down and, and run over a safety, hurdle a safety, juke a safety, uh, just fall forward. For All right, Charles, hold on. We're going to hold you on. We're going to have you on. After the hard break, this is the Friday edition of the Leach Report, and we'll be right back. Perfect. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Leach Report. I'm Billy Rutledge, along with Shannon the Dude. You can hear the KSR pre-show next on many of these same stations from 9 a.m. to 10 a busy day of Kentucky sports. You have the men's basketball game versus High Point. You also have the Citrus Bowl tomorrow, Saturday, in Orlando. Right now we're speaking with former Kentucky receiver Charles Walker. 
And Charles, we got a couple of college football semifinal games as well going on today. Cincinnati versus Alabama and Georgia versus Michigan. Which one of those two games is going to be the better game? Oh, gosh, it, it's a tough question. You know, uh, Cincinnati is led by Desmond Ritter, who is a Louisville native that uh, played at St. X High School, where I went to high school. So uh, looking forward to watching both. Um, at the end of the day, I'm going to have to ride with the SEC, and, and I've made the mistake of, of going against Saban and Kirby Smart when they've had time to prepare. I won't make that mistake again today. Yeah, I think Nick Saban been listening to some of our past shows after the performance he had versus Georgia. Uh, just when people start to doubt him, that's when he plays his best. So we could have another all-SEC final between Alabama and Georgia. But when I flip you back to the Kentucky-Iowa game, Charles, and this is a Kentucky team that's averaged 33.3 points per game. And I think a lot of that having to do with the transfer Wandell Robinson. As a former receiver yourself, what are some things that you see out of Wandell that just make him so good? You know, it's his playmaking ability, but it's also the way he makes the plays. It's not like every play is a screen play. It's not like every play is a deep ball, but just the versatility in him. And, you know, he catches it (laughs) rarely ever. I'm not sure how many drops he does have this year that are considered drops. Um, but when he's open and the ball's in his area, he's catching it. And I should have started off with his release game because that's the first thing I think about. Um, you, you look at someone that tries to, to press him, I, I know automatically he'll be getting out of there for an open route. Charles, a receiver from 2014 to 17. So you've been through some coaching turnover. How important is it to have continuity at the coaching staff? We've seen guys like Stoops and Vince Marrow. Even the uh, Brad White is, is saying that he's going to stay for another year after LSU tried to court him in uh, before the bowl game. How important is it to have the same coaching staff and have the same scheme like that year after year? Well, I mean, it's everything. And again, it goes back to that whole program as a whole. Um, you want all the coaches on the same page because you want to be teaching the kids. And, and you know, being on the same page means... Stoops tells you one thing in the team meeting, then you go into your position meetings and you're getting told that same thing versus maybe getting told a different way to play the game or a different uh, reasoning for the scheme this week. And I think Stoops has done a great job surrounding himself with coaches he believes in so he can kind of uh, you know rear back on the, the physical coaching and, and be more of a motivation guy knowing that he's got the right chess pieces in place that, that are handling the scheme sometimes. Kentucky was on the cusp this year, undefeated going into Georgia. Uh, They were in play for the SEC East. That seems to be the next step in the development of this program. Do you see them making that step in the next, in the upcoming years, Charles? You know, I I, I do, Billy, and it goes back to the continuity of the program right there. Stoops has all the pieces, he has all the coaches, and, you know, hopefully we can get some of these guys uh, to stay next year. Levis has announced he'll be coming back. Um, I'm not ruling out Wandell coming back. So I think, obviously, that's the next step in, in getting to that, winning the SEC East, getting to that championship, and, and you know, hopefully proving the West wrong that the East is still here to play. All right, I can't let you go without getting a prediction. Kentucky is one of two Power 5 programs that could win their fourth straight bowl game uh, with a win tomorrow, including the University of Alabama in that group. Do you feel like they get the win against Iowa? I do, and people are going to call me crazy, but I, I think we hang up 35 points and the Cats take it 35-17. Wow, how about that? Charles Walker calling his shot, the former receiver, predicting a win for the Cats in the Citrus Bowl. Charles, I appreciate your time and joining us here on the Leach Report, and, and good luck 
for your 2022 coming up. Thank you so much. You as well. All right, Charles Walker. From 2014 to 17, he was a receiver at the University of Kentucky. Also started out as a walk-on, so somebody that knows about earning their place. I'm Billy Rutledge along with Shannon the Dude. We're going to take another break on this Leach Report. But coming up next is Mike DeCourcy. We'll talk to him a little bit about the Kentucky High Point game a little later today and legacy of Tubby Smith. Stick with us. The KSR Pre-Show is next, but for right now, this is the Leach Report. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Welcome back. I'm Billy Rutledge along with Shannon the Dude. The Leach Report is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Big thank you to Adam Luckett and Charles Walker who joined us earlier in the show. Now on the celebrity hotline is Mike DeCourcy, the college basketball writer for the Sporting News. You can follow him on Twitter at TSN Mike. Thank you for joining us, Mike. How are you doing on this New Year's Eve? I am well, gentlemen. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody in uh, the state of Kentucky. Yeah, same to you. Will you go out and go out and watch the ball drop tonight, Mike? Uh, no, the only balls I'll be watching uh, are uh, footballs in the uh, two playoff games today. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll get to that at some point, but I want to start you with basketball. It's a basketball craze state, and... We're going to be honoring Tubby Smith a little later today as Kentucky takes on High Point. Before we get to Tubby Smith and maybe the memories you have about him, I want to get your thoughts on the Cats. They're 10-2 and on the year. They just beat Missouri in their last game, and before that they had back-to-back games in which they scored 90-plus points. What have you made of John Calipari's Wildcats this year so far, Mike? Well, I think that they've handled what's been placed in front of them very well, and and it's... uh... You know, probably a, a little bit disappointing they didn't get a chance to play the, the Louisville game, which I think would have helped them. One, but one of the things that I really like, guys, is that I put my first bracket of 2021-22 together for Fox Sports this week. And because Kentucky only had one real quality win and then two kind of okay wins with uh, with Ohio U and Western Kentucky, I had them as a number seven seed. And that's Pretty, and honestly, thought I was being a shade generous at seven. That uh, especially since Carolina for me was only around a ten, so I was looking at you know at one win over a ten seed, and and I think Ohio, you made my field as a as the automatic bid, and so they would have been around thirteen. So not a lot uh, in terms of accomplishment yet, and, and but I got ripped by a bunch of Kentucky fans, and I loved it because it means that they believe in this team. <laughs> And, and, and it, and first of all, college basketball is always more fun when Kentucky fans are, are fighting for their, for their group. Uh, and obviously they didn't have the opportunity to do that a year ago. So uh, I, you know, I, I think that they are going to get a lot of opportunities to play high quality opposition in the SEC. And, and you're, you're talking about, I had, uh, Tennessee ranked high. I had Auburn, LSU, and of course, after High Point, uh, uh, I believe it's Tuesday, uh, the, the Wildcats will play at LSU. And so that, that introduction to the high level uh, of the SEC happens really quickly. And, and that's, to me, where you start to find out how, how really quality this Kentucky team is. It ramps up. You're right, Mike. They didn't get too much challenge in the non-conference schedule, and I'm sure that plays a big part in why you have them as a seven seed right now. But I feel like a lot of Big Blue Nation has been watching in awe 
at what Oscar Sheboy has been doing with the the rebounding numbers that he is putting up. Is there anybody that you can liken him to, Mike? Who is somebody that reminds you, or Oscar Sheboy reminds you of? Well, that's a you know that's an excellent question. We haven't seen many players in college basketball that rebound like him. And and remember that it's not just that that that, that rebounding prowess is not just a product of of playing against a lesser schedule. I mean, he he went up against a, a very strong front line uh, against Duke in the opener, and put up twenty. Uh, and that's you know that's against the two guys who who legit no question are going to be in the NBA. Uh, Paolo Bancaro is definitely an NBA player. Uh, Mark Williams is is probably going to be a, a, a late lottery or early you know or, or mid teens pick if he's not a first rounder. And so that it's not just okay. I'm going out against uh, Mount St. Mary's and getting a bunch of rebounds. I mean, he's done that against against Duke's big big guys. He did that against Carolina's big guys. He 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 is le- legitimately one of the great college rebounders we've seen in a long time. And you know, I, when I look at him, I don't know exactly who you who you compare him to because a lot of the great rebounders, when you think about it, uh, it aren't as big uh, as Oscar is. Uh, uh, Paul Silas back in the day, or Dennis Rodman, uh, those players were not as as big and and physical. Well, they were obviously physical, but they were not as big and powerful as uh, as as Oscar is. So it's it's hard to immediately find a uh, a comparison to him. But he has a great understanding of of reading the ball in the air. That's that's the thing that it's you know it, it, is it is it a science? Is it an art? Is it instinct? Is it you know, is it watching film and, 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 and understanding or is it just, you know, he, he, he just wants the ball. And so he'll go, he'll go to where he expects it to land. I, I, it's hard to say. I think there, I think there's something innate in a rebounder like Oscar, uh, that, that hunger and that ability to, to judge, uh, where the ball's likely to come off. And of course, because he's so big and powerful and moves so well, uh, he, he, he gets to, he gets to where it falls. Speaking with Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News and Mike Tubby Smith spent 10 seasons at Kentucky. He never missed an NCAA tournament and also won a national championship in 1998. A lot of people have a lot of nice things to say about Tubby, but when I bring him up, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is that, you know, he's, he's a hard guy to dislike. I mean, he is one of the great gentlemen that, that, uh, that I've come across and, and in a sport where, where people uh, generally are very easy to deal with. I mean, he takes that to another level and the fact that he was able to do that at Kentucky, um, it, 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 there's so much attention paid and, and, it, and at times, um, you know, he, he got, he got criticized. He, he got, you know, for not doing, you know, the, not getting to a final four after 98 and, and for not, you know, uh, getting the five-star guys. And that was probably the, the line of criticism that I had of Tubby the most when he was at Kentucky was that I didn't think their recruiting operation was what it could be, what it needed to be, uh, to take advantage of Kentucky's brand. Uh, and I think that's part of why they didn't get back to another Final Four. But he's an excellent basketball coach. He was our Sporting News Coach of the Year, I think, for 2017 when he, when he was at Texas Tech. Uh, and took, you know, he, he took over Texas Tech when it was absolutely nothing and fairly rapidly built it into uh, a very fine, uh, Big 12 team. Uh, he, he was, he's an all-time great coach. I, I still believe he should be in the Hall of Fame, uh, in the Naismith Hall of Fame, certainly in the College Basketball Hall of Fame, without a doubt. 
just and and I think that the fact he's closing out his career at High Point is an illustration of how much he really loves to coach basketball. Because it's not, you know, it's a long way from Kentucky to High Point, but uh, he's he he wants to be out on in the gym in, in much the same way as Jim Calhoun uh, wanted to be uh, coaching so badly that he coached a Division three team in Connecticut, and I and I admire him for that. Mike, I don't want to make you feel old here, but I am only 26 years old. I was born in 1995, so only three when Tubby Smith won that national championship in 1998. It is still significant, but how significant at the time was Kentucky hiring an African-American coach? I mean, how big was it? Was one of the blue bloods of the sport hiring Tubby Smith? It's still significant today, but at the time, what was the feeling around that hire? Well, I think it was it was it was looked at. You know, first of all, you had an athletic director in C.M. Newton who uh, was was one of the terrific people in college athletics and and was going to do what was right. And I and I think the statement he made by hiring Tubby. You know, I I, I remember um, when I when I wrote my article, I was working for the Cincinnati Enquirer then, and I came down for the press conference. Uh, to discuss that uh, that Rick was leaving, and and I remember um, the, the, it was one of the great headlines that uh, was ever on my, my article. You know, in talking to people there and talking to people around the sport, I knew that that's what they were going to do. And so, I my entire article was about how Tubby Smith was going to be the next coach. And the headline that uh, Brad Linden, I believe it was, who was on the desk then, wrote was Kentucky's list short and Tubby. That was, the, that was one of the best headlines on, ever on, on one of my articles uh, uh, because it captured the article and, of course, uh, had a nice old, nice old play on words as well. But I knew that they were going to do that because it, it was the right thing to do. He was the right coach for the job. And I, a lot of people think that, you know, if Rick had stayed, they automatically would have won in 98. I'm not sure that's actually true. I, I think in a lot of ways, Tubby was a better coach for the 98 team than Rick would have been. And they would have been great because Rick was great, and they would have had a great year. But would they have won all you know the, all the games they needed to win? Would they have won the six they needed to win to win the championship? I'm not totally convinced. I think Tubby needed to be the coach of that team for it to get where it got. Yeah, and, and there's a lazy take among Big Blue Nation that I'm sure you've heard before, Mike, about Tubby winning with Patino's players. And, and I'm with you. I mean, there had to be all those different aspects that Tubby brought to the team for them to get over that hump. Just a couple minutes left with you, Mike, but I did want to get your some of your overall thoughts on the college basketball landscape. We've seen Duke, the, the, the basketball program, go have to stop due to COVID-19 protocols. We've seen leagues change their protocols when it comes to the amount of players that they need to be able to play and the amount of acting coaches. How do you see the rest of this year in 2022 shaping up when it comes to all this COVID stuff? Well, you know, it's interesting because what what uh, all the policies that – were in place were written for uh, the original virus and Delta, and Omicron has changed the game in, in a significant way. Uh, it, I think the, the 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 push to get players vaccinated and Kentucky has you know, has won the national championship in that department anyway. Uh, uh, all players vaccinated and boosted uh, is a significant advantage uh, over a, a lot of college basketball. And I know that there have been games that were canceled. Uh, because not because uh, there were there weren't enough players available uh, who had tested positive, but uh, a, a few players tested positive, and then because there that too many adjacent team, teammates weren't vaccinated, 
they couldn't put enough players on the floor in that circumstance. So uh, I think the, the policies that were written for uh, for Delta and for the the original virus were the correct policies. And I, but I think Omicron, if with with a vaccinated team like Kentucky has, uh, every all the de- all the uh, experts and all the data points to the idea that if you are vaccinated and and you you encounter Omicron. Uh, you you are more likely to test positive than with the other two viruses if you were if you were vaccinated fully, um, but you're not necessarily more likely to get ill, and you might even be less likely to get significantly ill. It might not be as rough a ride for you as even with like, if you were vaccinated and, and you happen to contract the Delta virus. Uh, so uh, you know, I think that I think that that's why college basketball has been changing, and I think that's the wise thing to do and the reasonable thing to do. And so we're going to have a difficult period in you know post holiday uh now uh, obviously we're seeing a lot of games go away and we may see some more in early january but i'm hopeful that uh, when we get through that that we'll get back into the idea of uh, of maybe getting more regular games he knows his stuff he is mike decorsi a sports writer at the sporting news you can follow him on twitter at tsn mike and regularly here on the leech report thank you for your time mike thanks very much take care all right, he is Mike DeCourcy, and some quickly some breaking news. Tom Leach just texted us that Mark Stoops just said that he does not expect Josh Pascal to play tomorrow in the Citrus Bowl. For Shannon the Dude, I'm Billy Rutledge. This is the Leach Report, and we'll be right back. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Final segment of this Friday edition of the Leach Report. Thank you for listening so far. I'm Billy Rutledge along with Shannon the Dude. We are on next as well from 9 a.m. to 10 on the KSR pre-show. But quickly, though, more on Josh Paschal not expected to play. Mark Stoops says he wants to play, but he doesn't know that he could play with it. Play him with a clear conscience. Not an opt-out, but injury for Josh Paschal. That's going to do it for us. We'll be on for another hour next. The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com.